This is Creating Utopia, the podcast, ideas to change the world, where we turn conversation into action. Thank you for joining. This episode is titled, Trump's Wall Has Already Been Built. Well, Mexico's going to pay for the wall. We have a trade deficit with Mexico of $58 billion a year. $58 billion. The wall is going to cost $10 billion. It's so easy. We will build the wall, believe me. And who is going to pay for the wall? Who? 100%, folks. And Mexico will pay for the wall. Hundred percent. They don't know it yet, but they're going to pay for the wall. And they're great people and great leaders, but they're going to pay for the wall. Mexico, in some form, and there are many different forms, will reimburse us, and they will reimburse us for the cost of the wall. Those clips were starting from March 2016 until January 2017. And no matter where you live on the planet, as of February 2019, there are human beings nearby who are closely following the happenings regarding Donald Trump's United States southern border wall. If you live in the U.S., this issue has become perhaps one of the most important behind Mueller and impeachment, uh, Russian hacking, and fake news. Let's first remember that the president legitimately promised a big, beautiful, concrete wall to prevent the flow of illegal immigration from Mexico to the U.S. He promised that construction would start immediately once he got in office, and he also promised that Mexico would pay for the wall. It took two years before the pressure mounted and Trump began to actually pursue how to build something resembling a wall, as many of his supporters and the Republicans, those right of center, are in favor of, quote, stronger borders. He shut the government down because there was a refusal to fund the wall, and the government remained shut down for the longest period in history. Here we are with no wall, thankfully. Now, I could focus on biased reporting from both sides of the political spectrum on this issue, we could examine the party-over-country rhetoric, or perhaps even more interesting and alarming, the country-over-planet rhetoric. Or conversely, this podcast could be a conversation about open borders and the pros and cons. But the wall that I'm referring to, which is much more important and insidious, is the wall that has already been built. The wall, no matter what, political ideology you espouse, or no matter how apolitical you are, regardless of who you voted for and what you stand for, it doesn't matter where you live, what religion you are or aren't. There is a wall in our minds that if we can't tear it down, it won't matter who's president or what policies are in place, it will be difficult to move forward as an operational society. Now, if you're thinking... Good luck explaining to me how there is some sort of metaphorical wall that exists in my mind. The reason you listen to this podcast and many others is because you have an open mind. I don't blame you. The individuals who are listening 
regardless of where you stand politically, well, this is a self-selected group, and I expect the majority of walls that I'm referring to have been broken down. But even still, I challenge you to examine this topic and see if you can find areas in the world to try to conquer this task and help others open their mind as well. When it comes to any idea, specifically the ones that are controversial, but even something like flat earth theory, or say pure white supremacy, well, there's a right and a wrong answer. We still need to be able to engage human beings who hold these beliefs. We have to break down that wall in our mind that says, okay, this person is unreachable or something, or this person just isn't right. If the person commenting on YouTube thinks the earth is flat, there's no need to engage because this person's too far gone. Well, this idea, from my perspective, has to change. Someone has to step up and at least reach out and try to bring flat earthers back to reality. Someone has to reach out to racists and bigots and tell them, hey, you're human. We can't start treating people with terrible ideas the way they want to treat others. Punch a Nazi, doxing people online for their racism and getting them fired. It's something that, while perhaps has good intentions or is coming from a place of trying to prevent future harm, we have to find a better way. How about talk to a Nazi, educate a Nazi, introduce a Nazi to people, and show them that the world is different than the one that's been created in their minds by wherever they get their news from. The same goes with an issue like Donald Trump's border wall. Most people whom this will affect had their minds made up before he even announced he would build a wall or run for president. Very few humans have had their perspective changed. We've had them challenged. We've seen caricatures of people on the left who are, quote, for 100% open borders, just as we've seen the same opposite caricature of people on the right who are said to want zero immigration. No one comes in. Wherever you lie on that wide scale between 100% open and 0% open, or 100% closed, well, we have to realize that we're not right. There probably isn't a right answer here, and that's okay. And this question is totally different than a question like, the earth is round, yes or no? Does white supremacy make sense, yes or no? The question, what should the immigration policy be, is totally different. And we don't have to assume prior motivations behind someone might be talking about the issue or what nefarious purposes they have for their ideology. There is no yes or no. Should we build a wall? Yes or no? Sure. But that doesn't really change the question of what is the immigration policy. Should we have a different system? What about asylum seekers? What about the kids that were locked in the cages, sleeping on floors? Are we going to forget about all of that and focus on the next thing Trump tweets about a wall that is just as metaphorical at this point as the wall in our minds? I often question whether this is all by design. I can't help but bounce between Sam Harris's Trump's an evil Chauncey Gardner stumbling through and getting lucky due to his own ignorance of nearly everything and the Scott Adams master manipulator theory where Trump is playing a game of 4D chess so far advanced 
that he has a rumble seat and haptic gloves. Because here we are, continuing to do exactly what he needed us to do all over the world from the moment he announced he was running. And that has become more divided. I'm in Canada, and there's the rise of Maxime Bernier's seemingly Trump-esque movement. All over the world, if we had time to pay attention, we would see the rise of right-wing nationalist groups, the marginalization of dissent, and the over-the-top fear-mongering rhetoric of us against them, and these people are bad, and these people aren't. The reality is that we're living through, as I've said before so many times, but I'll continue to remind you, this is the best and most exciting time to be a human ever. To live just 100 years ago was a life that was unrecognizable, and the farther you go back, the harder and more dangerous life was. We have to appreciate that life is as good as it has ever been. Although, if you read my book Legacy, you know I'm the first person to point out everything that's wrong with the world. I also can and hope we all can see that the potential to change everything for the better is at our fingertips. We need new strategies. Rather than continuing to argue about the border wall, let's talk to a Trump supporter about Andrew Yang and his basic income party. Read Legacy and see what's possible with basic income, digital currency, zero marginal cost technology, and how if we fuse it together, we could play a new economic game. Let's see if we can brainstorm with those who we've been told are our enemies and find answers that can be viewed as building blocks toward the future that works for everyone. Things aren't going to shift at the drop of a hat. We need plans and foundations and long-term thinking. We need to see that our neighbors, no matter who they voted for, what they look like, what they believe, or where they came from, they are our allies all over this planet. We need them to work with us, but more importantly, we need to do the work so that they want to work with us. And now for the final segment, How to Create Utopia. I've been following Douglas Rushkoff of Team Human quite closely lately. Recommended to me from Jason Gotts of the Think Again podcast. And the tagline or the call to action right before Rushkoff's mic drop is find the others. Interpreted often to mean, hey, there are people out there just as passionate as you are about renewable energy, human rights, or racism, or veganism, or well, anything. Go find them and go connect. But Rushkoff is deep, and I'll be making an entire podcast about Team Human in the near future, but if you haven't heard of him, I highly recommend his content. His depth in that statement, find the others, is intended to mean, in order to build a viable future, we need to find the other others. The real others. The others that disagree with seemingly positive common sense ideas. The others who aren't really others, they're just people, but they believe perhaps that the earth is flat, or that lizard people are controlling geopolitics from their lair. They might think gun control in any way is a bad idea. Uh, we, all, we all should have nukes. They might think climate change is a hoax, but, well, creating utopia for this episode is to remind you to turn conversation into action.
We need to find the thoughts in our minds that we've built a wall around that prevents us from seeing those others as people. We need to break down that wall that prevents us from connecting with the humanity in those we disagree with. The walls in our minds have placed those with seemingly nonsensical ideas on the other side, and we're looking out at them, not sure what to do. No matter how much their ideas conflict with our own, we have to see them as future collaborators, people we need to work with in order to build a viable future that works. For example, if you're an atheist, there may be a wall around spirituality and the depth of existence. You may have a hard time understanding the perspective of the religious, and it may make funerals and weddings painful due to the religious celebration. This is a wall in your mind that you've created. If you're a vegan, you might refuse to spend time at restaurants that serve meat, or you may make the people around you uncomfortable by holding up an ethical standard that hasn't been reached by everyone else. This wall can cause harm, and the problem is we aren't realizing that we set these walls up at all. No matter who you are, there's someone who will benefit from a connection with you, and vice versa. We need to see people as people, recognize that everyone is flawed, and that by creating barriers and walls around someone, calling them racist and leaving it at that, well, that is doing more harm than good. It separates us from one another and enables the us-against-them rhetoric that is splitting civil societies. The only thing we truly have is our consciousness and its contents. And for the most part, most of us are doing exactly what those who want the world to stay the same, or even revert, need us to do. We're giving in to the anger, we're being divisive, and we're building and maintaining metaphorical walls that are doing and will continue to do much more to keep us apart than any physical wall Donald Trump wants could ever do. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creating Utopia. If you found it interesting, please share with a friend or on social media. Follow me on Twitter at creating underscore utopia. Make sure to ask questions, comment. I'll make every effort to reply to everyone. Stay tuned for the next episode.